Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast this week. I'm your host, Matt Guest. With me out in Viva Las Vegas is Matt Morris. Um, almost a perfect week for everybody in fantasy this this week, but a couple of bad beats here, a couple of bad beats there. You got injuries already. I've actually I don't have any injuries yet, knock on wood. So I'm probably screwed this week. But um, <laughs> how you doing, man? How was the first week of football for you, dude? It was it was electric. Um, I had a little parlay in. We went over kind of our picks of the week last week and our locks, and I ended up going with Saints over Atlanta. I went Baltimore over the Jets, and I went Broncos over <laughs> the Seahawks. But I teased yep. all of it, so I got blessed. That field goal to put the Saints up by one, which they won, actually saved me because I had a half a point saver there. Uh, Ravens easily covered, so I'm coming into Monday. Fantasy was doing good. I was about to go four and zero. I had Russ and I had uh, Williams coming in. I think yeah. I needed like thirty four points. I was like, okay, we'll see. You know. Um, I thought the game was a lock, you know, a couple fumbles later, I'm still <laughs> feeling good. I'm like, it's okay. All I needed was the Broncos to win by half a point. So all they needed to mm-hmm. do was win. And, you know, fourth quarter hits, I'm still feeling good. Like the close of the fourth quarter, I'm still feeling good. Russ is driving. And then the Packers coach, right? Hack it. Obviously the Broncos head coach now goes full fucking Mike McCarthy on their ass. Dude. Oh my God. I... I was I lost by fantasy by one point five, <laughs> which is acceptable. But by I would nail my Williams fumble. And that it is what it is, right? Like there were right, other pieces, right, right. but it, if course. Russ just drives an extra seventeen yards, I win. Um, but it was more like the parlay. Like the par- I was so excited to start the season off with a three teamer. I was going to win two eighty on a hundred dollar bet. It was going to be my money for the rest of the season to just start sprinkling some fun parlays and like actually having fun betting this year because in years past i've always gone like five six seven teamers to start the year yeah and i always you know lose a crazy one and i teased this one this was the first one i've ever teased so for me i was like hey i've, I've learned my lesson like this feels great like and all i've got to do is capitalize on bronco seahawks like this is a lock this is easy <laughs> yeah yeah um and Welcome. you know before the game I'm, I'm on social media and every one of my betting pages that like we follow or i follow is like oh my god this is a trap game like 90 percent of the money's on denver like run away and i'm like okay guys you're just you're falling into this hype train no it was it wasn't devastating it was a it disaster was, it was it just sucked dude like come on so yeah uh, but i'm happy football's back and it's funny i found myself yesterday no today being tuesday completely disinterested in baseball and kind of like okay when's the next nfl game (laughs) so i'm gonna have this withdraw i know it's really crazy i did the same thing like well i'll go over my heartbreak in a second here as far as the uh the bad beats of the weekend but same deal i was like you know what i'm gonna take the night off here you know watch a little netflix do something here put my waivers in right for fantasy football (laughs) for all the leagues that i'm in and you know two more days till thursday right like we're almost there that's all we need. We have a great matchup. But yeah, Broncos killed me. Eagles backdoor this weekend was uh, that's a, those are the, those are even worse than the Russell Wilson and them messing up is them being up 31 to like 10 or 38, 17. And then they end up not covering the four and a half. The Philadelphia Eagles, bro. That was uh, that was my least favorite one of the week. Um, I hit one bet, but I'm not like proud because everything else was just a catastrophe. 
all, through well, and through. Every single um, trap, I fell right into it. So we'll see at the end of the episode how we do. You know, like it's a little early in the week, but I the lines are big and I feel a lot better. I want to shout out uh, one of one of my buddies out here. I was at his place for some of the games on Sunday. And he's not a he's not a football fan like us in regards to like knowing the players or doing a podcast, right? But he he bets big, and he was down a thousand dollars through just the ten o'clock games, and he had the Commanders. I think he had a seven hundred dollars solo play on the Commanders, and yeah, I'm watching you know one game, and I'm watching this the the score ticker on the bottom, and I'm watching the Commanders like down to Jacksonville. I think it was Jacksonville, right? <laughs> yeah, they played to the Jags. And um I'm like, "Oh my god, Gabe, you're going to lose the you're going to lose $1700 right now. Like this is your day is going to be terrible." Commanders ended up holding on, so he ended up winning that bet. He ended up putting $1000 on the Seahawks going into the game against the Broncos. But like that's what I mean, like he's a better, right? He follows the trends, the graphs, and he's like, this is a lock. No questions asked. And I'm like, you're crazy, dude. Like, are you out of your mind? A lock? I'm sitting on the opposite end of that, right? Saying this is a lock for the Broncos. And right. he obviously cashes in. So I'm sure he probably either won some money or broke even. But some of these betters out here, man, they're they're just sending. They're insane. Yeah. They're insane. <laughs> but like, I, honestly, that's the thrill though, right? Like, it's cool. Like, you know, you're a little upset because you would have won 280 bucks. Like, the mm-hmm. thrill, the thrill of it is when you're going that hard, which honestly, I don't have the balls to do. Like, I watch too much sports to throw that much money on football. Like, it is, it is totally for fun for me. Yeah. But like I told you last week off the air, he had hit for like a 5K and a 2K on parlays. Right. And so right. 7K sitting in your betting account, I think he had told me he pulled out some money, which is smart. But when you're able to, when you're able to win like that, it's just like the blackjack table. It's free money at that time. So you're just, you're just, you know, spending this fake cash. Um, and that's dangerous. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> there's just, there's really, truly not too many feelings like that. Though. Like, that's why it's the best, you know? Is it the healthiest? No. Is it smart? No. But, oh, man, for those, like, two minutes, you're like, this is unbelievable. I walked in here, and I'm walking out a rich man, sort of, because you're probably just going to spend it anyways. Well, and that's, uh, I remember last year I had a parlay that I was sweating out. And, again, I only bet maybe 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Like, for me... I know myself well enough, and like for me, that like 280 buck win, you know, I'm I'm rooting for Russ to march down the field. Screw my fantasy team. Like in all honesty, I could right, care two right. shits about my fantasy team. You know, lose fantasy, hit the field goal. Hey, I'm a happy man. Like you hit a 64 yarder, let's fucking go. Um, but <laughs> but dude, like when it doesn't go well, you're just you sit back and you're like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. That's how people are like, fuck you. Yeah. yeah the the tweets start just rolling Im- out. Just imagine when you're sitting down on a Thursday night watching Prairie View sh- play a D1 AA basketball game with the roll on the line, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's where I find move. myself during college basketball <laughs> season. Oh, let's go to dinner. Like, Prairie View's on. I, I have to watch Yeah, this. sorry, hon. They have 15 people in the stands. I could see the snack bar, you know? Like... <laughs> it's the best (laughs) that's great all right let's get into it okay so we're gonna start this off with a little week one recap we're just gonna get it out of the way we decided we have the list of the games teams we want to go over and things uh let's just get the packers out of the way matt gut reaction first play obviously christian watson misses out on a massive opportunity to give the momentum right to the packers get us going on the right track get the game probably to end in a much much different fashion than it did um 
they get blown out. Vikings are one and zero. Bears are one and zero. We're zero and one. What were your thoughts? So I'm going to completely deviate real quick here, and I'm going to do a one A before we get to our one B here. And I want to talk about um, the NFL app as well as Directv's app. So I download, <laughs> I download, I have NFL app on my phone. You know, for the past two or three years, we've had free phone football, right? That's been their promotional tool. This year, in order to watch local games, you know, Sunday games, Monday night games, Thursday games on your phone, they just want you to pay a flat fee of thirty bucks across the season. And I was like. Who cares? $30 like to watch football all year on my phone. If I'm doing errands, whatever, buy it. No problem. Got it. I'm at Gabe's house. We're watching games. Raiders game is also going on during Packers Vikings game. And I live in Vegas. So like they're Raider fans there. I don't want to disrespect them. Like I'll watch the Packers game on my phone. No problem. I can't get into this app to have the, yep. the live stream for a solid 30 minutes. And I'm pissed. I'm sitting there like, hey, I just paid you $30. Like knock, knock. Who's, you know, who's I'm fixing this problem? Blowing you up. 100%. And you're like, oh my God, did you see that catch? And I'm like, no, I'm trying to get my freaking phone to work. And uh, lo and behold, I see on Instagram that night that DirecTV's NFL package tickets had the same problem. People just couldn't get into their games. And it's like, we're in 2022 here. This is the biggest business for sports on the planet, at least in the United States, right? You know, I can't put soccer to the equation there, but how do we right. not have our uh, servers or our connectivity, a bit, like all of that working in the, the user, the the customer's favor. It was ridiculous. So I missed the Watson play. Uh, yeah. I did end up having you send it to me. I also caught it on replay. Disappointing, but kids are rookie, um, you know, transitioning now back to the Packers Vikings. I think that we spoke a lot about this and I still stand pat with my feeling, which is you go right back to him. You know, it sucked. Yeah. He dropped a ball. How many times has NVS in our last four years dropped a pass and we're like, God damn you, NVS, you do this all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Christian burned the hell out of Peterson. And I, I think that in itself is a win. You know, sure, he dropped the ball. But Rodgers should have gone back to him right away, got him comfortable. And he had a couple more passes to him throughout the game, one completion, and then one kind of like kind of bubble screen-ish that had no business being thrown to, almost threw a pick on it. Um, I'm just really disappointed in Rodgers' ability to lead again. And I think with these young wide receivers, he's going to have to wake up and realize, I need to handle these guys differently because there's only so many targets that Lazard and Cobb can have and Tunyon can have. You're going to have to rely on one of these guys, Dobbs or Watson, to come out and be a playmaker. And you cannot sugarcoat the way that he handled the situation. They right. need to have targets and they need to get comfortable. And he needs to get comfortable with them. Uh, the defense didn't show up and play like I wanted them to, right? We talked about that. I said defense needs to come out and prove that they're number one in the league. I'm not too worried about that. It's week one. They will gel. I think ultimately my biggest takeaway from this game was the Vikings had a game plan. The Vikings were heated and ready to play that game. And I think Zadarius was a big reason for that Vikings defense to fire them up and to motivate them. And our game plan just, it wasn't executed right. And it also wasn't the right game plan. Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head for everything, honestly. You know, Rodgers should have handled everything much, much better. He should have went right back to Watson, probably the next play, or if not, the next drive. And um, yeah, the defense just didn't play well. Um, to me, you know, I don't really want to add on to much of what you said because I think you said everything perfectly. Um, to me, it's the same Packers. So the expectations for me are, you know, like, yeah, I picked them to win the Super Bowl. Like, that's what they should do. But like, my realistic expectations are they're going to be the same old Packers. They're going to be good. They're going to beat the teams that they should beat. I personally didn't think they should have beat Minnesota coming into the game. Like, it's no surprise that they lost to me. Honestly, they lose to them all the time. Um, 
they're going to be the same Packers. They're going to be good. They're going to be consistent. And honestly, Matt, they're probably just going to let us down because they just bring out too many performances under Matt LaFleur like we just saw. Too many times they come out flat. Too many times he gets out coached, And then they're either reluctant to change or put and provide any adjustments or he just isn't that good of a coach. I don't know. Because you would think by now when you're getting out coached, Jefferson has like a buck 40 at halftime, at least 115 and a touchdown at halftime. You would do something different. You know, yeah, and there's there's a few things to take away from that. I I think it's week one. You know, a lot of craziness was taken away from the Saints Packers game last year. We saw a completely different team the rest of the season, defensively, offensively. Right. Um, you know, Lafleur Lafleur did make adjustments. Barry made adjustments. I I want to pump the brakes on how I feel about the coaching staff at the moment because it is game one. What I will say though is if what I saw from this Packers team in comparison to last year is concern amongst the the fluidity of the offense. And without Devontae, you're not going to be able to just fall into that fluidity, right? It allows Rodgers to be at ease and it allows him to have confidence. And that's why we, the Packers, up until yesterday, I think we're 8-0 without Devontae. Because for the most yeah. part, Devontae missed games in the middle of the season where Rodgers was already rolling. And you could take Devontae off, out of the offense and he could still roll with the same kind of confidence and game plan with those other receivers. So we really saw that impact of Rodgers Devontae's relationship yesterday fall apart. And we're going to talk about the Raiders a little bit later. My concern with the Packers over the last few years is they haven't been battle tested. We'll, we'll, we'll probably lean on this for the next 10 years, but you know, your concept of Gonzaga not playing in a conference where they play good teams and they compete right on a regular basis right. where they're where they're challenged has really negatively affected them. And I think it's negatively affected the Packers as well at times. You know, sure, there's four or five games throughout the season that they have to play hard opponents. But for the most part, the Lions, the Bears are awful. The Vikings test us once a year like they just did, as opposed to the Raiders, the Chargers, the Broncos, the Chiefs. They're going to be battle tested, right? They're going to go into the playoffs knowing where their flaws are and what they have to do to overcome them. The Packers, not so much over the last decade. And I think this season could be that opportunity for us to have some struggles early, kind of get ourselves into maybe a negative rut, bounce back, push towards a playoff uh, picture, maybe even if it's, just, if it's just a wild card, but really find themselves and find an identity, which is something that I think could lead them to victory and could lead them to a Super Bowl. At least that's where my hopes are. I love it. No, the optimism's there. I'm going to move on, but I, I agree with you. I think that's something that should be taken into consideration. And with all the teams we're going to go over, it was week one. They could lay a dud or be amazing the next week. We'll see. Um, a team that we made a post about actually the other day on Sunday night was the Philadelphia Eagles. A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts looked great. Um, no, to no surprise to me, like I thought they were going to smoke the Lions. The Lions didn't look bad, but they're still the Lions. I know we will jump into our first ever this week in Lions world with Matt Morris. I'll let you take it away about your Lions, and then we'll talk about the Eagles here really quickly. Yeah, so, I mean, this is going to be a segment we do all year because, frankly, I just love the Lions. Uh, it's it's hard being a Packer fan in an individual team, but I really like what they've done. I've talked about that on podcasts in the past, but if you look at what they were able to do on Sunday, they were able to compete. They were able to showcase themselves as what they were, which is a team that's always going to grind. And if you watch Hard Knocks, right, that grit, it showed. Like, that's their team mentality. That's their mantra is grit. And they weren't going to win this game. Right? They did their best effort to come back, but the performance from Swift, the ability from Goff to just go out there and be a quarterback of NFL starting caliber, I think is really important, as well as leadership. He's starting to show himself on that field as somebody that can pull to the team together and, and really have them trust him and make the throws when he needs to. And sure, he's going to be much like Stafford. He's going to throw a pick at the most untimely time, but it is what <laughs> it is. It's about how you respond. And that team was able to respond even with his flaws at times 
in ways that I was really impressed because they finally have the weapons, right? You have Hawkinson, you have Swift, you have Williams. I think Jamal Williams is going to be a huge piece of that team as well as a leadership role. I mean, the guy is absolutely loved and he was loved in Green Bay, not only by the fans, but by the players. I think that's a really big piece when you talk about free agent signings on bad teams. That was an absolute home run. Offensive line looked okay against a good defense. Um, and then the wide receivers, right? Shark came out, had a touchdown. I think we're going to see possibly the emergence of what he's been and his height in Jacksonville throughout the season in time at times. I don't think he'll be the number one because Amon Ra is there and then Williams is coming back at the end of the season. But overall, just very impressed. Defense, they have a lot of work to do. Um, yeah, I really liked what Hutchinson did. He had some pressures that I thought they didn't have that last year. The kid has it, and that's why he was a top five pick, number two overall. Uh, he's going to have to develop, though. He's still a rookie. You know, pump the expectations for him. That secondary is bad. Um, I loved what, you know, what they were trying to do. The kid from Ohio State is back. Looks like he's actually going to be okay after that Achilles injury. Really big for the organization. But from a perspective of Lions week one, they've got to sure up that defense if they even want a chance of getting five wins this season. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's their biggest problem. And the Eagles lit him up like a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. A.J. Brown looked fantastic to not to our surprise, but they gelled a lot better. You know, you asked the question last week, who will be throwing a prettier ball to AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts, or Ryan Tannehill? <laughs> um, I think we can close uh, and answer that question pretty definitively now. Yeah, it's got to be Jalen Hurts. Tannehill could never make those plays that Hurts was making to him. I know some more basic, but it's they're on a different level. Well, there was a throw that I want to talk about, which is his underthrow to, to Brown, or Brown comes back and just literally, you know, snow cones it off the turf and catches it. And I thought to myself, that's what Hurts needs because I don't think he'll ever turn into Patrick Mahomes. But right, if you can right. have a receiver that takes away some of those deficiencies, which AJ did, you're talking about a big time quarterback, right? And hell, that's what you do. You put pieces around your quarterback to make them better. That's what AJ did. And and Hertz looked significantly better. And that's why you pay these guys money, right? And like that's why Green Bay decided not to play to pay Devontae. And that's why the Chiefs decide not to pay Tyreek because their quarterback right. shouldn't need that. Well, you see now in Philadelphia that AJ Brown is going to really help out Jalen. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, they look fantastic. Um, I loved them this weekend. I think they're obviously now pretty much a lock to win that division. So that's good for us. Another dynamic wide receiver in the NFL, Tyreek Hill, made his debut with the Dolphins. But he's not the one who totally impressed you this weekend. Right, Matt? Yeah, I thought Waddle really came out. I mean, he split two safeties in a corner on one of his touchdowns this weekend. And it was it was beautiful. I mean, it was just speed. Sweet. Right? It was what, you know... Uh, Mr. Davis, formerly of the Raiders, right? The 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 dad yeah. he used to draft for, which was if you get a guy that can outrun everybody else, you should win. And it was a flawed concept because he was drafting guys that sucked. But you look at Waddle, you know, first round pick, he came out and showed exactly why he was first round caliber because we expected this offense to be more of a second and third level team. You know, Tua was going to have to throw the ball deep. Well, we saw this weekend what the real answer of what this offense is going to look like. Just short intermediate routes. Allow these guys to catch the ball and turn the Jets on, make a play, make a make a guy miss and go. Hill didn't necessarily make those guys miss the way I thought he might week one, but he will throughout the season and with Waddle there as well. Yeah. How do you defend those two guys? Yeah, I just it's it's incredible. Yeah, their scheme is great. The Mike Daniels hire is looking fantastic. You know, I'd say like 50%, probably more of the rookie head coaches looked like the perfect fit this weekend. And I think the Dolphins are case in point to, you know what, go with the younger approach, 
go with a proven, you know, predecessor in Kyle Shanahan. Um, that offense is going to be running and their defense played really, really well. I want to see what they look like this week because let's be real. The Patriots might be a bottom five team this year. It, it's crazy. It might yeah. be. It, yeah. It's early. That's a really hot take, but um, they did not look good. They haven't looked good in the preseason either. And reports out of camp are like, they don't know what they're doing on offense without Josh McDaniels, which is an obvious problem. So um, all in all, Tyreek Hill's balling out. I agree with you. Waddle's going to be a fantastic um, compliment to Tyreek Hill. I was a little nervous how they were going to work together, you know, but I think everything's going to work out to go through the ball well, and most importantly, didn't turn the ball over, right? Like that's the key. They have a tougher matchup this week, so we'll see how they do. Um, <laughs> would you say this is the most, eh, we'll say second most disappointing team this weekend, the Indianapolis Colts? Behind Denver, um, I think Denver had to be the most disappointing. I don't know. What do you think? So this kind of this came up in conversation at the football party I was at, and it was the first time I've really thought about it. I, I tossed it over to you uh, when we were off the air, just chatting about the games on Sunday, and it was in regards to was it really Carson Wentz's fault in Indianapolis yeah. last year? And the kid that I was talking to brought up the point of like, well, hey, like maybe it's the coaching staff. If Matt Ryan can't get it done either, and Matt Ryan looked just as bad as Carson Wentz did last year at times on Sunday. Maybe it's the offensive calling. And if you look at where Carson Wentz was with Philadelphia, um, head coach was there as the offensive coordinator at times. You know, that you thought that relationship would really develop. And I'm starting to think maybe this dude was right. Maybe it's time we start looking at the coaching staff of the Colts because with that roster, we said it last year, there's absolutely no business they should be losing these games or tying these games. That's Jacksonville last year. And then obviously that's Houston this year. Is it play calling? Yep. Is it time management, right? Like, do we really need to start taking a deeper look at, hey, we blamed Carson last year, but when does the blame stop going on the quarterback? And when does it start going on the head coach and the offensive coordinator? Because it's unacceptable. This is the, <laughs> this is their one pass this year. If they do it again, I guarantee people are going to start calling for their jobs. Oh yeah, I think it already started. You know, mm -hmm. this is inexcusable. And once again, we'll get to we'll get to Davy Mills in a little bit here. But look, man, you can't be losing games to Jacksonville and the Texans when you have what did they have eight Pro Bowlers last year? Yeah, did they like lead the league in Pro Bowlers? Yep. And you have Jonathan Taylor absolutely killing it. There's no reason in the world. And yeah, I think it should have been more focused on the coaching last year. But the team in general and Jim Irsay, who I think has a good relationship with Frank Reich, who's their coach, yep. um, did a fantastic job of like, hey, this is Carson's fault. This is on me. This is the guy I wanted. Um, let's get Matt Ryan, who Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, like maybe draft somebody. And, you know, it is what it is. Anyways. I think the blame is already on the coaches. If they lose, or I honestly think, I think the spread is huge on this game. We'll go over it at the last segment of the day, but I think the spread's huge there. If they don't win handedly against Jacksonville, bro, they're going to be coming for them. Rightfully well, so. And, you know, the the comment I wanted to make here, you know, we have it written down, Pittman Jr. Uh, my big question, well, he was a question, much like A.J. Brown was coming into the season. He answered those questions for me yesterday. I think he's absolutely yeah. emerging into the top 15. You know, we'll say maybe top 10. Those We'll have to put those boards together. But had a great game. Jonathan Taylor had a great game. Like, if your good players are going to come out and play well and you still can't beat them. And I know Blankenship got cut after the game for missing that field goal, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. He was two of three. You know, like misses one kick. This organization again, continues the to pass the blame, hundred yep. percent. Like, how do you cut the kid? You go like it's unacceptable to me. Like that is a poor business, um, and it's frustrating to me because as a play, if I'm a player on that team, I'm saying, damn, they don't have my back. Like, why do I want to play hard for a team that doesn't have my back? You set that precedent week one, 
And that's completely un- unacceptable. It's undermining to the organization and the team itself. So that's the storyline I think I will be following with the Colts all season long. I love that, man. I, I think that's such a great point. Um, I know you wanted to touch on Jacksonville a little bit too. We'll see how they look this week against the Indianapolis Colts, right? Um, what's your big question? What was your big takeaway from Jacksonville first week? Big takeaway was, damn, Trevor Lawrence has got a rocket. Um, I saw one of the throws yeah, he made, good. and I was like, damn, this kid. Okay, I, you forget because of how bad things went last year, but he made a throw, and I was like, okay, that's why he went first overall, right? The, right. the memory starts churning again, and it's like, okay, if you get the right pieces around him, you could have success, and that's where this conversation is going to go here with Jacksonville. Christian Kirk, I sent you a little bit of uh, uh, an online meme which had his stats lined up with A.J. Brown's last year. Kirk actually performed just as well as A.J., um, you know, AJ was obviously traded for a first round pick signs, this big deal. And then the narrative for Christian Kirk was he was overpaid, but Christian Kirk, big time game, 12 targets didn't necessarily capitalize. I think he had seven overall catches, six overall catches. So Trevor missed him. Um, but I expect for him to be the number one there. And then you talk about the guy behind him and Zay Jones, who's coming over from Las Vegas from the Raiders. I'm a big Zay Jones fan. Like he did really well with Carr last year at the end of the season. That was something we touched on with the addition of Devante and those targets. And I think Zay Jones, Christian Kirk are exactly the type of guys you want to have around Trevor Lawrence in year two. Get him some guys that have proven themselves in this league but are not elite yet. And I think Christian Kirk could enter that category of top 25, top 20 if you continue to get him the volume share and he starts to capitalize. And again, he's a guy that can make guys miss. He's a deep target, but he's also a guy that can operate in the slot. And then Zay can go out and get those possessing, possession catches for you. Watch this offense develop through the year. And I bet you by the second half of the season, you're starting to see drives actually capitalized because the offense finally understands itself. Yeah, I agree with you, man. It's it's really interesting. And, you know, Christian Kirk kind of started the entire frenzy in the offseason with all the wide receivers obviously asking for more money because better wide receivers weren't getting paid close to what Christian Kirk is now making. But you look on the flip side of that. And the reason I agree with you is damn Arizona could have used him, huh? Yeah. You know, <laughs> the, the Cardinals really could have used him this past weekend. And yeah, maybe he got overpaid by let's say five, six million a year, probably. Right. But at the end of the day, Jacksonville knew they needed a guy. New people wouldn't come there. And they said, you know what? We like you. We like your fit with Trevor, who we have right now is unacceptable. Um, you know, LaVisca Chenault, as much as we liked him and he was a hype pick in the offseason, like he's not a wide receiver one. Where Kirk, I agree with you, has a shot to be. And we'll see. And that's something that's exciting. Well, and the last thing I want to say real quick before we move on here, and this is regards to Aaron Rodgers, Trevor Lawrence is in year two, right? Aaron Rodgers is in year 14, 15. Like you talk about a young kid who needs like 18, but yeah. Experience or yeah, he's been in the league a while, right? Uh, he needs experience around yeah. him, and that's what Kirk and that's what Zay bring, right? They're 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 not like elite level guys again, like I just said, but they are guys that have ran these routes in the NFL for three four years now. And that's really important. With they know QBs. where they're supposed to be. Yep. Yeah, and and honestly, that's what I want for a young guy. And you look at Chenault, like great talent. We loved him out of the draft. I still think he could be a really good NFL prospect and player, but he had a bunch of young players around him, um, and Marvin Jones just couldn't stay healthy too. Um, right. So I, I think there's some pieces here that I, I really, really like. And from a flip side of what Indianapolis is doing, I, I like the organizational plan, at least for Jacksonville and Trevor. 
Yep, I, I agree with you there. Um, I think this is up there on the shockers for me this week too, but it was the New Orleans Saints squeaked by, saved your parlay, saved the only bet that I won <laughs> uh, to win the game against Atlanta this weekend. But what did you want to touch on with the Saints specifically after their week one performance? It's the same narrative we just talked about with Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, but Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas here, right? You got two guys Beast. coming in to support Jameis Winston, coming off the ACL tear, um, there are obviously questions this season with Alvin Kamara and possibly availability. He didn't come out and have a great week from what I know. Um, but Michael Thomas showed up. He was healthy. And lo and behold, the question on ESPN right now is, you know, what field Michael Thomas? Well, what field Michael <laughs> Thomas is a top 10 wide receiver bar none when healthy. There's no question about that. We just haven't seen him healthy in like two and a half years, which has been really unfortunate. Uh, he came out and he proved, hey, I still got some of the tank and, and I can still catch the ball. That's what he's best at, getting that ball in his hands and securing catches. Uh, I think he's going to be a huge piece for this team. And the second piece of that, Jarvis Landry, I said this to you kind of off the air today. I said, why weren't other NFL teams that were wide receiver needy looking at Landry? He went unsigned for a long time. He went out and had nine targets, seven receptions, 114 yards, looked absolutely incredible in the catches he made, You know, had some elusiveness out there, had some speed. And I said this to you too, he's played for the most part of his career with mar marginal quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill down there in Miami. He's never really gotten the opportunity to show himself with an elite quarterback, not saying Jameis is, but I think there's a lot left in the tank for, for Landry as well, who like Thomas has been a reception machine. So these two, I think can definitely lead that Saints offense to maybe a surprising record. I'm not sold on Dennis Allen. I think he's going to be a huge question mark all season as a coach. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that last part. But hey, a big reason Jarvis, uh, no one signed him was because he was asking for a lot of money. Yeah. So, um, you yeah. know, it's it's tough to and, and I agree with you. It would be super easy to bring him on a team that needs a wide receiver. Uh, our team. Right. But, <laughs> uh, um, you know, sometimes guys just want a lot of money. And then I think he ended up choosing New Orleans because obviously he went to LSU. But I think he's yeah. from the area in Louisiana, if I'm not mistaken. So I think you're right. I don't know if he took necessarily a hometown discount, but it all just kind of lined up for him. But anyways, um, they help, man. Veteran. Good wide receivers help. And to Tom, Mike Thomas, man, like it's obvious. He's healthy. That's why he's playing good. You yep. know what I mean? He re-injures that hamstring. He re-injures his ankle, whatever it is. And yeah, he's not going to be looking good anymore because that's what's been wrong with him for the past two and a half seasons. Um, I'm still high on the Saints. I'm really excited to see the matchup this weekend. Really, really excited because Dennis Allen has Tom Brady's number as a D coordinator. Now, how are you going to go up against Tom Brady, which we'll get to these games later uh, this week. And can you out coach Brady and the Buccaneers this weekend? So I, I think the, he has a lot to prove this weekend, obviously throughout the season. I'm not fully out on him, but week one was scary for the saints. I, that was my mega, 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 mega lock. I wasn't even worried about the saints. Yeah. And I want to see more Kamara involvement. Um, I, I think that this offense needs to really play through him this season and then obviously utilize Jarvis and Michael Thomas on the play action game a lot because they are veteran guys that can make those plays and also can run those routes. That's the key, right? Can you capitalize on routes on a play action move? Kamara needs to be the focal point, though. As long as he's playing on the field, he needs to be a guy that's touching the ball 20 times a game, no less. We were chatting about it um, in the open, just about losing that Broncos bet that we both, once again, weren't worried about, similar to the Saints here. Um, but man, what was your takeaway from that? I, I don't want to focus too much on the decision at the end of the game, because I think everybody knows it was stupid. 
Um, I want to know what you think about the entire game overall and where the Broncos are moving forward, because I'm personally not necessarily worried quite yet. Yeah, I know. And I think the biggest questions I had were, was Jerry Judy actually going to come out and play like the first round talent he was? And is Corlin Sutton a number one fantasy wide receiver, which I've drafted him in a lot of leagues to be? And I think both of those questions are, yes, Sutton's going to be a target machine this year. He's a big dude. I mean, you see it on the field when you're watching the game. He creates leverage on anyone that's playing or matched up against him. I think he'll have better stat lines throughout the season. And I think once Russ gets in rhythm, he'll have good touchdown opportunities. And Jerry Judy, man, he's a freak athlete when he's healthy. Like Unlike he was last year with that hamstring, he's going to torch people. And he has the ability to go sideline to sideline and just absolutely make breaking plays. I think this is going to be an absolute great offense. They're just going to need to give it time. And that's what I texted you. I said, Russ, with a new team, without having played with them a lot, give them a couple of weeks. Take this all the way back to Miami Heat when the big three were formed. Like you got to allow new players to find themselves in a rhythm with each other. And I think the Broncos will. Yeah, they have a nice little tune-up game this weekend. I agree with you. You saw flashes from that offense in the second half, right? Judy, Sutton, Sutton, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. Like, They've got guys. They've got weapons. Um, the only thing that's concerning, and you brought this up texting me while we were watching the game, was his arm did look a little suspect. Yep. Now, I don't know if that's just a bad game, being nervous, trying to short-arm it, or are we seeing the decline, and did Denver maybe – give him an Albert Pujols contract, you know, like might be good for one year and then he might fall off a cliff. I don't know. That's going to be something really, really interesting to monitor. They're in Denver this weekend against Houston, who uh, will finish with Davey Mills here too. I think that's where we need to see the, and he had a lot of yards, but like the 350, 50 yard touchdown bomb to Judy, not an underthrow with Judy making a great play. Um, We need, I I need to see his arm or I'm going to be really concerned. I mean, that we said it. That was his big-time move in Seattle the last few years, right? It was Russell Wilson's deep bomb. was the best in the league. You know, one of the shortest quarterbacks being able to heave the ball downfield and do it with extreme accuracy to nail Lockett and Metcalf often. And I just saw a decline in arm accuracy. That's my biggest question, and that's the narrative I will be following for the Broncos all season Was right. will be, what does Russ's arm look like? Yeah. Um, another arm that looked bad. Our guy, Derek Carr, man. Mm. It was a rough day at the office for Derek Carr. Mm. Now, I do think the addition of Devontae is going to help him out immensely. I know he looked bad. I knew he threw picks. I know he targeted him 17 times, but he needs to. That team isn't winning without Devontae Adams this year. They need him bad because Carr, Carr's just not elite. End of story. We'll see if he changes my mind, but I don't think so. And I, I agree with you. And the big narrative that I'm having here with that Raiders Chargers game is uh, I'm going to say subtraction by addition for both of these teams. I know I watched them being on the West Coast, being in Vegas a lot last year, watched them match up against each other twice. Uh, Chargers dominated that first matchup. It ended up obviously going the opposite direction for the Raiders in the, the last game, which was uh, which is very controversial. But what I looked at here was the addition of Adams, the addition of Mac, the addition of JC Jackson. Um, kind of neutralized themselves in this game. Like 24-19, I think, was the final score, if I'm correct, of that game. Uh, yep. Adams obviously played great. Mac had the strip sack to end the game on fourth down. Um, but they're still the same teams in regards to when they play each other. They're just as competitive because they've both made additions, but they almost like cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. And I do think that Derek Carr just doesn't have enough to put you over the top, even with Devontae Adams. 
And the big narrative, I guess the big question that I'm going to follow throughout the Raiders and Packers season is, you know, did Devontae prop Rodgers up a lot more than we may have expected throughout the season with that confidence and with that flow that I talked about earlier? And will he be able to do the same thing with Derek? And if not, you know, how much of an impact will Devontae have on this team with the win-loss record? Because that's obviously why you traded a first and a second and paid him. He's got to come out there and at least get you nine wins with or without a good Derek Carr. You know, he's got to perform mm-hmm. for you. Uh, Chargers, ultimately, I think that defense is going to be great. The offense is going to figure it out. I definitely think the Chargers are trending in the right direction and the Raiders are trending in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, I'll say one thing about the Raiders in a second, but you you were right coming into the season. Allen and Herbert are top five. Like, well, let's just get let's just get this out of the way. You know, we'll get into the list, but you can't <laughs> honestly watch Josh Allen. You can't honestly watch Herbert and put guys like me. Like I put like Russ Wilson. I was like, I still think he's right above him. Like those two are just special. You know, they're behind Brady and Rogers to me. Right. Like, I, I think it's pretty straightforward. They're they're right there in Mahomes. Sorry. Not no disrespect to Mahomes, Brady, Rogers, Mahomes, and then it's those two guys. I don't think it's a debate anymore. Well, I and it, after it's, that, it's hard, man. When you and I think this too, like we talked about this with fantasy waiver wires, and I was talking about it with dynasty baseball this day, today too. Like when you have a player rostered in a fantasy league, you you oftentimes lean on his really really good performances, and you think about him in that nature. And you had Russ Wilson either last year or the year before, and like you saw some of the great games from Russ Wilson. And I think it's hard when you rank these guys to say, hey, like I'm going to take those games out of the equation and really look at his overall work. And then I'm going to paint him as like, you know, top seven, say for Russ Wilson or top eight, whatever it might <laughs> yeah. be. I had the, the ability to not have Russ in any of my fantasy leagues. And just to see the terrible games he had last year or the year before, where it's like, I know he had the thumb or the finger, but like Russ just wasn't there. And then you look at some of the games from Herbert and Allen and you go, damn, that upside. And they haven't even figured mm-hmm. it out yet. Allen week yeah. one figured it out and had three turnovers. Like, oh my God. Like, can you imagine when he has five touchdowns, no turnover? It's going to be ridiculous. Um, and Herbert, I just, I like what he's doing. I just, I hate the fact that he's on the cursed Chargers. <laughs> like, yeah. It just sucks yeah. for him. Yeah. And they had no JC Jackson this weekend too, which will make the second matchup even more interesting. interesting. I did not know that. That's good to know. Yeah. So no JC Jackson was uh, also a storyline. So we'll see. Last thing before we get into uh, week two is Davey Mills. I'll let you take the floor here. It's not necessarily completely about Davis Mills, but more of a strategy that teams should use the Davis Mills case study um, and, to, and take that into consideration coming into the draft every year. Yeah, and the big storyline here, you know, we kind of talked about this off the air and the narrative that we want to paint is in really, really heavy quarterback classes. If you're an organization that needs a lot of pieces, you know, you're drafting top five, you're looking at the shiny quarterbacks. Um, heavy quarterback classes oftentimes have guys second, third round that are really good quarterbacks that possibly the year after would be first round quarterbacks. How many times have we seen that? I think about Paxton Lynch a lot being a first round quarterback, had no business being taken in the first round. There are numerous other quarterbacks we could paint in that same regard. But with Davis Mills being taken by Houston in the later rounds, it allowed them to really shore up other pieces. Obviously, they haven't drafted accordingly to the best of their ability, but they found kind of a gem. You know, you and I kind of agree Davis will be a good starting quarterback in the NFL. I think he could be for 10 years. Does he stay in Houston? Do they do they draft the shiny toy? We'll see. But in regards to how you actually go about staffing and building your foundation for the franchise, I'd really encourage some of these teams to start looking and developing these quarterbacks in the, the second, third, fourth round 
because you can draft your offensive lineman, you can draft your Russia, and you can get your sauce gardener, right? You can go out there and get really key pieces, which you can't sign in the free agent market. You know, I think guys like Marcus Mariota are a really good example of that two veteran quarterbacks that got taken high, but are now bouncing around the league because they just weren't good enough to stick with a team as opposed to Davis Mills, right? I think he was a third round pick, uh, fourth round pick maybe. And it's like, you got your guy now, at least a guy that's going to be a starter. So narrative here, you know, we're going to watch Houston. We love Davis Mills, obviously doing the draft series. If you haven't listened to our draft series, you can go back and listen to him. Um, he was a guy that we kind of joked about, but liked. And lo and behold, he's here tying one of the best teams in the NFL week one. And I think that's very impressive. Yep, I totally agree with you. And I think you're already starting to see a little bit of the ramifications of that in this year's draft. People knew we didn't have the bona fide superstars, and they're like, you know what? We will wait. You yep. know, Kenny Pickett goes in the first round, but hey, force someone to take Malik Willis, right? Don't just go and draft EJ Manuel. You know what I mean? Yeah, or you're perfect. Paxton comp, yep. Lynch, right? And basically blow your entire draft class and pass on Pro Bowl potential guys. So, um, yeah, it's really, really interesting to see. But let's move on to week two. Let's get this going. Get the picks analysis, baby. Let's go. So this week two slate is interesting. I'm very fired up for it, but it's interesting. We got a lot, a lot of really interesting matchups here. Not season defining, but, you know, I think things will come back on in week 10, 11, 12. It'll be like, oh, I remember week two when these two guys played each other. Oh, remember this matchup? I think that's what we're in tune for this week. Some huge spreads, too. Um, let's kick it off Thursday night. Um, I think this is the game of the week. Unfortunately, we get it Thursday night, not Sunday or Monday night, but Chiefs Chargers. First big question I have two for this game is, is the money going to be well spent for the Chargers, Matt? I know that they got it going so that they could play against the Raiders, but no one in that division is loading up because of the Raiders or the Chargers. They're all loading up because the Chiefs have been the cream of the crop in the AFC the past four years, every year since Mahomes took over. This is the first test. Do you think the money that they spent this offseason on Mac, JC Jackson, and others will pay off this Thursday night. I don't think it'll pay off necessarily in this game, but I do think the question that we have to ask ourselves was, do we see the same offense that we saw against Arizona play out against the Chargers? Yep. And that's the ability for Mahomes to spread the ball out, utilize Kelsey as his number one, right? Sprinkling Juju. Uh, CEH had two touchdowns. Um, Isaiah Pashenko had 10 rushes, was very efficient for 60-plus yards. They used everybody in their bag and they use them to the absolute best of their ability. Unlike what the green Bay Packers were able to do without their weapons. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we've talked at length about how bad we thought Arizona was going to be coming into this year. Well, that was answered week one against the best quarterback in the NFL. He absolutely smoked them. Now, completely different defense with the chargers, right? You have a pass rush. That's actually going to do work with Mac and possibly Bosa. Um, JC Jackson, if he can play right, that's going to eliminate possibly a side of the field if he's the guy we think he is. Um, but the real question for me is, you know, how does Mahomes respond against a better defense? I think the Chargers have this game. Or excuse me. I think the, the Chiefs have this game. Um, I just don't believe in those weapons that the Chargers added being a significant neutralizer to the ability to for Mahomes to elevate everyone else around him. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I, I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. You know, I was like, yeah, the Chargers, yeah, the Chargers. But I don't know. Right now, I'm leaning Chiefs for sure. I think that's who my pick's going to be. Uh, and the biggest question, if they do lose, is this the first time we're going to feel 
Tyreek Hill's absence, right? Like this is the true test on the other side of damn, did we need that guy to break one open? You know, we'll see because Arizona's defense is not even close to as good as the Chargers. So if Mahomes struggles, if he can't get it to Kelsey and the other receivers aren't getting open, maybe this is the first inclination that, you know what, actually we did need Tyreek Hill a lot more than we thought. Well, if you think back to the playoffs uh, against the Bills and then against the Bengals, Tyreek was the guy that Mahomes looked for if they were not finding their rhythm. And if they need right. to push the ball down the field, obviously Tyreek being you know that third-level weapon. Um, but even in those crossing intermediate second-level routes, Tyreek was the guy that he was having him bail, bail himself out on, right? So what does it look like without that, to your point? Um, I just I love any time the quarterback has the ability to spread the ball around. It just comes down to in that key moment, are you looking at Tyreek? Are you looking at Devontae? Or are you looking for the open receiver? That's what mm-hmm. I want to know in this game. Is Mahomes' ability to find the open guy there? And does he have confidence in do, going through his reads? Yeah, I, I agree. I think you nailed that. Um, a guy that has confidence in looking through his reads is Tom Brady. Um, a team in the NFC South that has really given him issues, given him a lot, a lot of issues is the New Orleans Saints. They're playing in New Orleans this weekend. And I think the big question, we sort of talked about it in the last segment, but is Tom Brady going to get over the hump against Dennis Allen specifically now, but as the head coach, not just the defensive coordinator? Well, and the big thing here too is you take Dennis Allen out of the equation, you still have a very strong foundation on that defense uh, with veteran leaders. And I think those veteran leaders are going to still be able to bring the heat towards Brady, make life a little uncomfortable for him. I thought the offensive line did a very good job with all things being said against Dallas and things could change. It's a week to week basis with this offensive line. I have to check in and see what happened to the left tackle, but I know that he got hurt. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, looking good. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, at what point do we see Brady have that bad game where he's sacked six, seven times and he just absolutely can't get it together and he loses all confidence in his ability to find the open guy. Now, with that being said, he did it at a weapon in Julio Jones, who is not done, right? I thought he was cooked. Nah, he looked great. Looked great. Running deep routes, you know, running 35 yard in routes. Uh, running across the field, double coverage, about to make catches, like looked great. Running Got wide it. receiver reverses mm-hmm. and stuff, like handoffs. Yeah, he looked yeah. great. Yeah. So, well, I'm I'm banging that drum that Brady's offensive line is going to cost him this season. I'm not rooting for it. Um, I think this week this will be a good test. I don't think this is the week that Brady, you know, gets truly taken advantage of. Um, because again, you said it right and perfectly. Dennis Allen being the coach, it's a very different game plan. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I was talking to a buddy. You know, I think this is why Brady's the greatest, though. You know, like this is why he's better than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, sure, Aaron Rodgers probably throws a better ball. Sure. But this is why he's great, man. You you mentioned the offensive line. I thought they played fine, but it was Brady, man. They leaned on the running game. They relied on the running game, trusted it, worked through it, and it benefited him, right? They were doing play action. They weren't forcing balls down the field. And when you knew they had to pass, Brady got the ball off in 1.52 seconds, you know, because he's looking for the open receiver. He'll throw to the tight end. He'll throw to the running back. He'll dink. He'll dunk. He doesn't care because he doesn't want to get hit. Something Aaron Rodgers just, I just don't think he will ever do that. You know, he's always looking to create, go off script and make that play. Um, little tangent there but with that being said i i think they'll handle the saints this weekend you know they're three point favorites on the road which i don't love that number but i'm leaning that way and we'll see when i get to my picks later (laughs) 
Well, and what I want to say about that is I think you're absolutely right. And that was my concern with what Rodgers did this past weekend. I didn't necessarily hit on it and hit it, hit it home earlier was yeah. Rodgers is looking for his guy to be absolutely open when he throws the ball. As opposed to the other quarterbacks in the NFL, they'll throw to a guy and, you know, it's man-on-man coverage. And the wide receiver, the tight end, the running back, they make the play. Rodgers doesn't always do that. It's like, I don't trust you. I'm not throwing to you, right? You're not open. And, you know, when you are open, you drop the ball. So now I'm not throwing to you at all. And it's, right. I'm just, I've gotten tired of it. I watch all of these other quarterbacks every single Thursday, Sunday, Monday, and they throw to guys that have guys draped all over them because they trust them. And they're saying, you know what? That's my play. That was my read. This was how it was drawn up. You're going to make the play because you know what play we're calling. The defender doesn't. So go out and make a play. And Brady has done that his entire career, right? It's like James White's in the backfield. I'm not even going to look at him. I'm just going to throw it to the spot he's supposed to be in. Up, catches it. Julian Edelman, same thing. Julian Edelman isn't a better physical receiver than Christian Watson, but he knows what he's doing and Brady trusts him. So there's a lot of pieces to what you said that I absolutely believe in, and it's really frustrating. And kudos to Tom Brady for continuing to be that guy. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, It's really impressive. We'll see what Jameis and the boys look like against a – did you see the Bucks D, dude? They're all the way back. Devin yeah, I White. Didn't, I didn't, it corners, doesn't surprise me, though. They're good. They're fucking, yeah, they're all the way back. That, that'll be an interesting incredible. game. We'll see how many picks Jameis walks out of there with. One or less, and I think the Saints might win the game, but we'll see. Um, the next big game we see on here is Dolphins-Ravens. Um, I don't know if it was last Thursday or last year's Thursday night football game where the Dolphins beat the Ravens. I think it was, but it was a big shocker. And it makes me really nervous about the Ravens-Dolphins matchup this year because I think that Dolphins defense took the next step. We already talked about Mike McDaniels, right? Um, and, and what the impact is of Mike McDaniels. Mike Daniels, I think his name is. Um, the impact he's made on that offense and with that team with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Um, I'm nervous to see how the Ravens defense holds up this week. They played okay. Lamar looked good. But I don't know if they can hold up against that offense. Well, and here we go. Same song and dance. Kyle Fuller tore the ACL this past weekend. Um, You know, it's like how many years in a row do we need to talk about this secondary being depleted by ACLs? It's 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 so sad. Uh, Great offseason pickup, underrated offseason pickup, their third or fourth best corner, who's a second best on most teams later. You know, your depth gone. Yeah, and my that so that kind of goes to my my big takeaway here for the Ravens is the depth, right? Uh, J.K. Dobbins is a guy that I really, really believe in this season. I think he will be making his season debut with this weekend. Should be, yeah. He's not going to be a hundred percent in regards to get him out there, get him twenty touches. And in my question for the Ravens is, until he has that, are you able to go up and beat good teams? And I think the Dolphins are a good team. Uh, Lamar is going to have to do it a lot himself this weekend. Yet again, and this is not the New York Jets. So he's going to have to, <laughs> right. you know, he's going to have to hit on some of these receivers that he did this past weekend. Uh, the kid from Texas, can't think of his name, starts Duvernay. with D. Duvernay, yeah. correct. Night, two nice touchdowns this weekend. Um, Our but, guy. It, hey, man. You know, he was supposed to be just Bateman a punt returner. Bateman looked good, too. Bateman looked good. Uh, but again, this is not the New York Jets. I want right. to see what happens. I am really, really thinking that Miami can win this game. But mm-hmm. I'm on the narrative with you. Lamar has to come out and play on an Aaron Judge level, has to play at an MVP level. <laughs> if he can come out there and do the same thing against this defense, you're talking about a guy that's just going to week in, week out show up. And then once Dobbins gets cooking, dangerous offense. Dangerous, yeah. Um, want to touch on this before we move to the next game on the list that we have here for this weekend. Um, is people, you know, when we hear this argument online that, oh, Lamar should make Russell Wilson money. Can we stop that one, please? You know, 
Um, Russell Wilson is basically seven, eight years older than him. And no, he deserves more than Russell Wilson. Lamar Jackson's so sick, dude. When he's healthy, he can make the throws. He can run the ball with his legs, obviously. Um, This was the most... I don't even know. I wouldn't even consider it pro style, but I'd see the most pass happy Lamar Jackson ran offense I've seen in basically his entire career. He didn't look amazing. You know, he had some miscommunications, missed throws just like everyone else, but he needs more money than Russell Wilson. He needs more money than Kyler Murray, man. Like this is why the guy did not sign that contract for a little bit more than what those guys made. Yeah, this is the hard, I mean, this is a deeper conversation. I think we have to have. Sure. My big question is, you know, he tears an ACL, and does he look like um, Griffin? You know, Robert Griffith. Sure. Is can you can you come back from an injury like that, and then once you give him say two hundred million guaranteed, have you just flushed that money down the toilet? Now, I agree with you. Lamar Jackson currently is incredible, but but I think from an organizational perspective and a business perspective, that's what that front office is probably saying, like. What happens, worst case scenario, we absolutely handcuff ourselves for five years. Sure. Now, that could be said about any quarterback. Right, that's Alex, what I mean. Look at like, Alex Smith. You know, like same could be said about Murray too. Break a leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Murray, I, so, like Murray's one injury yeah. away from that team being the worst team in the league. Like for as much, yeah. you know, shit as we've been talking on them, like he's the reason they even have a chance, anyways. So, yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to the next game. Same division as as Arizona. Seahawks 49ers here. So I'll let you kind of lead this one off. Like, what are your thoughts going into this game? What are your biggest questions about probably the Niners, I would assume? Yeah, man. I mean, we saw what we saw from Geno this week. We saw a very uh, simplified offense. You know, they're going to they're gonna protect the ball. They're going to be um, allowing him to be a game manager. They're going to lean on that running game more and more as, as Walker comes back. You know, Penny looked good, did look tired, as you had said. Um, but they're going to run a lot of those two tight ends with with Fant and uh, that red-haired kid. Dor- is it Dorsey? Yeah, I forget his name. He looked good, though. Yeah, I mean, he's looked good since Russ was there, right? Like, two tight ends, let him have it. You know, throw the ball to DK in coverage. DK's going to come down with it. I like what Seattle's doing. My question mark, as you said, is for San Francisco. That was a Debo Samuel game yet again, but Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't there to bail him out. You know, like, big-time differences with Garoppolo and Trey Lance. I don't think they ran the ball enough with Lance, but, again, that field, I don't think you can take yeah. almost anything away from that game because the field of the conditions were so bad. Um, but my question is going to be for Trey Lance. Trey Lance, if he wants to be a starting NFL quarterback this season, he has to go out at home and beat Seattle. There's right. absolutely no questions about this. Yes, I know Seattle is better than we thought, um, but Trey Lance needs this for the team. And if he goes 0-2, he's not going to be able to stand up on the podium like he did and say, man, that was a rough one. I'm going to learn from it. It's just not going to happen. The questions are going to immediately start flowing. And now the questions are going to be, can we even afford to trade uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to the Cowboys? We might need him next week. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't put the full pressure on he has to win them the game. I think the way I would phrase it is he can't lose them the game. Sure. You know, if he does everything that he can do, right, puts out a big game and they lose, that, you know, that I can live with that. Now, if he plays the game he should play, they should cover the 10 point spread. They're 10 point favorites, which that's incredible. <laughs> by the way, I'm picking Seattle plus yeah. the 10. That's a lot of points. I don't think they blow them out. Um, yeah, man, it's all in Trey Lance here. You know, the seed is going to get hotter. If they lose, somehow lose this game and go to 0-2, um, it's going to be a bad look for Trey. Jimmy's going to be sitting in there on the sideline, and I think they call for him, you know, 
I don't even know, like week six, week seven, like what, when do you get to the point where you bring them in? Cause by week six, week seven, you're dead. If you only have two wins, um, this is huge on the 49ers this weekend. They have to win. I agree with We you. also didn't get the, to see their offense ran efficiently, right? Mitchell goes yeah, down 100%. almost immediately. Lance it's can't run play action. Um, uh, but uh, my big takeaway too here from a fantasy perspective, you know, Jeff Wilson's the hot pickup of the week. I had some waivers in form, obviously. I'm going to be upfront and honest with you. I don't think Jeff Wilson matters that much at all. It's going to be the Debo Samuel Trey Lance rushing mm-hmm. attack. That's what this is going to be. Yeah. Jeff Debo, Wilson may get time. some, yeah, some touchdowns on the goal line. He might go for 50 yards once in a while, but they're going to run this offense through Debo and Lance. Like, and that's why you signed Debo. You know, we saw it week one. My question coming into the season was, do we see Debo rushing the ball? Well, when oh, yeah. he touched that ball to the backfield, damn, was he efficient yet again. And he looks bigger than he did last year. Um, so, Ultimately, San Francisco stick with that running approach and Kittle also didn't play week one. So like a lot of pieces are going to come to fruition, I think, week two to show you what San Francisco can actually do. Yeah, I agree. Moving to the Sunday night game, our Green Bay Packers, uh, I think they're are they 10 and a half or they 10, 10 point favorites over the Bears. Uh, my question is Justin Fields, actually. Uh, I think the Packers stuff is all pretty obvious, right? If they lose to the Bears, we're in full panic mode. Right. Actually, I have two. So Justin Fields, one will be Packers. We got to go Packers. Um, Justin Fields, do you think that he can replicate a good game this week? Because I actually think he played well considering the situation in Chicago last week. Do you think he could play another good game? Can he go to Lambeau and bring this thing down to the wire or actually win the game? Do you no. think he can? No, I think this defense responds and responds in a very, very, very big way. I think when you come into the season and you believe in yourselves as being a top five defense, number one defense, I said this narrative last week, and you come out and you disappoint, there's a lot of people in that locker room that are looking at each other and saying, we have to do better. All right, They're not pointing the fingers and bitching at each other. They're simply saying, we're going to come out, we're going to come out fierce. I really believe that. And this is the week to do it because it's Justin Fields. Like, right. again, he had some great throws last week, but it was a monsoon. You know, he was literally just throwing up ducks and having wide receivers come down with it because they had burned their coverage so badly because they slipped <laughs> in the lake and now they're swimming to the wide receiver, you know, so they're sliding uh, right into Lake Michigan, sliding into Lake Michigan. So I think the Packers come back with a statement game. I think they run the hell out of the ball. They control the game. I think Justin Fields has some turnovers. I'm assuming there's going to be at least three or four sacks, possibly a strip sack in there. Wow. I think this game's going to get out of hand pretty quickly because I still believe <clears throat> in this defense. Um, now, if the defense doesn't show up, I'm going to be wrong. The defense doesn't show up. Green Bay could lose this game yet again, but I will be there yeah. and I will have a personal conversation. Oh, that's conversation right. I forgot you're going. Yeah, yeah. With you Matty get down LaFleur. there on the field with Matt oh, and be like, we're gonna, well, I'm going to show them the credentials, the media doing credentials. doing our interview right now. Yep. <laughs> Um, okay. And I'm calling the plays. Okay. Well, the other question you can ask him here, well, no, nah, I wouldn't necessarily be to him, but my other big question I want to hear your take on is will Rogers give Christian Watson the targets he deserves this week? He better, he better target him seven, eight times. Um, I would like to say 10, but I don't think he's deserving of 10 yet. And I, I think ultimately in this game, um, get the running game in, involved, you know, get a 10 point lead and attack. That's what our mentality needs to be this this week. You know, get that get that lead and just go out there and see what these kids can do. Uh, Romeo as well, right? Like get them out there and absolutely take care of things. Cool. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think the recipe for a W this week is thirty five rushes. Let's make our offense more run centric. Let's copy that Leonard Fournette Tom Brady system they got going. Seem to work pretty well against a really good defense in Dallas, right? You have two Pro Bowl caliber running backs. Use them. Don't sit there and spread it out and rely on these lack of trust issues 
that Rodgers has with his young receivers. I think it's pretty straightforward, and I'm I will be worried and very disappointed in the coaching staff if they don't lean on that run game. Because guess what? Rodgers is old. He's taking hits. He's still great, but give him time. Let's get some play actions. And I agree with you. Let's get Watson six, seven targets. There's only one way to get him better. We got to feed him, right? And fuck feeding Sammy Watkins. Like, why even have him out there at this point? Like, I was excited to see what he looked like. He's old and slow. Let's get the kids out there, throw interceptions now, make mistakes now, and let's be in rhythm in five, six, seven weeks. 100% 100% agree and you know we've talked about this with every offense but it's play action like we really need to really lean on the lean on the play action we haven't needed to do that over the last couple of years because Devontae was such a great route runner it didn't matter but now that you've got younger wide right. receivers that play action is key and they've got the speed and they've got the body control to beat guys one-on-one also create that separation so yeah 35 touches absolutely has to happen we talked about last year that was our magical number anytime a team would go over that usually it led to success you know we saw a couple of teams go into the 50s 35 has to be the minimum week <laughs> yeah. in, week out Ravens. for being the Packers. Yeah. One thought heading into this Bills-Titans game. What is it, Matt? If if the Titans can't get this done, I, I think you're talking about a catastrophe. Season you know, is slipping away from you. You just lost to the New York Giants, and you lost to Saquon Barkley, more importantly. I think that loss of Landry was a bigger fall than maybe the NFL could have thought. Uh, that defense got taken advantage of by a running back. And how many times do you say that anymore when you don't have a great offensive line, you have a poor quarterback? You're talking about going up against possibly number one, number two offense in the entire league and an offense that absolutely just came out and smoked the defending champions. I don't expect them to do anything less than destroy Tennessee this weekend. And ultimately, what that's going to mean is it's not going to allow Derrick Henry to get rolling and get cooking. So I want to see them come out, run Derrick Henry, control the tempo of that game, you know, force Josh Allen to possibly make some mistakes again and then capitalize on that. Control the time of possession for Tennessee. That has to be the game plan. But I ultimately think Buffalo wins this game by two touchdowns. Yeah, I agree. I think the story is Cincinnati. Tennessee is what the story is. It's Ryan Tannehill. It's Is the lack of A.J. Brown really going to just throw this team's season away and run them into the ground? You know, Are they going to regret not spending that money? Which early, yeah, it looks like they're going to. Speaking of A.J. Brown, he plays Monday night as well just out in Philadelphia. Um, this is our second favorite game of the week, huh? Besides, yeah. besides oh, yeah. that Chargers game. Like, oh, yeah. obviously the Packers, but we'll just brush that aside. But, man, what are your thoughts going into this game? What are you most excited for? I'm most excited to, to have a good, a really good competitive football game. <laughs> That's it, really, right? You have two teams that came out and played very well week one. Um, I'm a believer in the Eagles. I'm not yet a full believer in the Vikings. I think their defense overperformed. So I guess that's what I'm going to be looking for. What kind of performance do we get out of the Vikings defense against Jalen Hurts, against A.J. Brown, against Miles Saunders, Kenneth Gainwell? You know, a lot of weapons out there that they didn't have to deal with with Green Bay. And you're going to have a team that's motivated and coming in with a high level of uh, team control. I think this is going to be a great matchup, and I think the Eagles are going to show us exactly how great they are, and I think the Vikings are going to show us that they are you know, middle-of-the-road team. Yeah, and mine is actually on the flip side of that, is how does this dynamic offense do against one of the better secondaries in the league? Now, I know, Matt, <laughs> the Lions scored 35 on them, but it was... It was garbage time, honestly. Like I know it got close, but it the game was over. And I'm really interested to see how Darius Slay 
and Justin Jefferson matchup? Are they going to do what Green Bay did, just kind of sit in zone, play their scheme, and see how it goes? Or are they going to do what I expect because they're more of a man-to-man team? Is just let's go, mono and mono, best two guys going up against each other on Monday night. Um, that's what I'm looking to see, the Darius Slay, Justin Jefferson battle. I hope we get it for an entire four quarters because if we do, this is going to be a low, low-scoring game, but really, really fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the thing, right? You talk about Jay Jeff. I think at this point, Rogers said it this past weekend, he's the best of the NFL. Uh, we probably disagree on that, but I, I would agree with Rogers. I think you anytime face up against a cup or, or a Jefferson, you can't allow zone coverage. It's just a disrespect to them because they're going to find the hole and they're going to absolutely burn you. And that's what happened this past weekend. So Philly needs to play more man-to-man. Um, Bradbury out there is going to be more of, a, of an aggressive corner as well. So he could take advantage of some Kirk Cousins thrown passes, but he could also yep. be taken advantage of in-blown coverage. So the Kirk Cousins is going to prove himself this weekend, either to be a guy that's taken a step forward, which the narrative was painted with a new head coach, you know, an offensive schemed coach, or he's going to come out and show us exactly what he's been over the last four, five, <laughs> six years, which is Kirk Cousins. His whole career. Yeah. Yes, yes. All right, so week two, best bets, NFL bets this weekend, Matt. I know you have a few. Run through them. You go first, and then I'll go and pick mine. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I love these teams. Um, I'm going to go money line. If you want to buy yourself a touchdown, I think that's probably the way to go. Since he versus Dallas, since he's going to be playing in Dallas, uh, seven and a half points is going to be the spread there. I'm taking since he money line, or I'm teasing that down to a half a point. Um, I have Houston in Denver. That's a 10 point spread there for Denver. Again, I don't love that, but if you tease it down a touchdown, you're getting a minus three. I'll take Denver money line for this, uh, little exercise Atlanta versus the Rams. That's <laughs> 10 and a half for the Rams. Um, Jeez. I like that a little bit more, but with Atlanta did, you know, you and I talked Atlanta came out last year and had actually a really good first week and then kind of completely fell off. Um, so I'm going to take Rams money line and then Packers money line. Again, I think you could tease all of these down. Packers were minus 10 as well. I think you could tease them down a touchdown and feel really, really comfortable with all of these. But just for the sake of this, I'm going to go money line. Yeah, um, I like all those teams too. That'd be a fun little money line parlay to throw together. I, I think all those teams seem right now as we're recording this in the beginning of the week, seem like a lock, you know, like should be pretty good. Um, for picks against the spread, I have a few here. I'm going to start in Detroit. I'm going to take the Washington Commanders plus the two against the Detroit Lions. Big Carson Wentz guy over here. Um, I'm also going to take the Saints plus three at home this weekend. So I like them as a home underdog. Another home underdog I love this weekend is the Pittsburgh Steelers plus one and a half reports are Najee Harris is going to play this week. And I'm not a believer in this Patriots team and especially the offense. It's going to struggle against that defense, even without TJ Watt this weekend. Um, Another pick that I like is Seattle plus the 10. I believe in the hype. I know this isn't really a good pick logically or with the trends because usually the team that loses against the spread beats the team that one against the spread, which would be the Niners. But I think 10 points is just, I I just don't believe in Lance. So I'm taking the Seahawks here, man. Um, And then the other two that I like here are going to be, I'm going to take, this is my biggest spread that I like this weekend, Matt. 
but I'm going to take them. I feel really confident in this. Um, is the Las Vegas Raiders? I like them at minus five and a half. I think a money line play or putting them in a parlay would be just a bit too risky. So I'm going to ride with them against the spread. To be honest with you, I think they win by a touchdown. I think they have a lot to prove. They had, did have a letdown game last weekend in LA. And then lastly, I love Philly minus the two or money line. Um, this Monday night, I'm really high on the Eagles, especially after that performance. Two teams after two good performances. Uh, I'm going to ride with the home team Monday night minus two. Yeah, I love it. I think those are. Uh, it's interesting. We're in week two here. We're going to know more, obviously, going into week three. Uh, I felt like there were some some opportunities week one. Um, we capitalized on a few of them. Obviously, missed pretty badly. You had that garbage time touchdown. Obviously, with Detroit, the Broncos really let us down. Hurt. Uh, we will. I, f- I will feel a lot more confident going into week three once we have another week out of the way. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Um, these big lines scare me. That's why I'm riding home pups, baby. Let's go. Let's have a weekend. Let's have a Monday night, everyone. Let's have a week two. Football season is all the way back, and I'm already missing it, even though it's only been two days. <laughs> all right, everyone. We appreciate you. We'll see you guys next week for week three. More clips, more recaps. Um, all of our content on TikTok, Instagram, and, and Twitter at Pod. We will see you guys next week. Cheers later. Cheers later.